Well, hello and welcome to Small Town Big Business, a podcast about doing big business in rural middle America. I'm your host, Allison Hassler with Southern Illinois Vacation Rentals. And I'm Russell Williams. I'm director of Ethos. We're a small business incubator, co-working spaces, training and development here in downtown Marion, Illinois. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors for making Small Town Big Business possible, and that includes Arcadia Wealth Group, Fowler Heating and Cooling, Black Diamond Harley-Davidson and RV, Swinford Media Group, the Watermark Auto Group Foundation, and our producers at Union Street Arts. And you can join the small town big business community wherever you listen to podcasts, including Facebook and YouTube. Remember, subscribing is free and you won't miss upcoming episodes that are released every two weeks. I've We've been got wait- some really unique and interesting. I've been waiting for a very long time. I'm, today, yeah. I'm a fan. I'm a groupie at, for the restaurant and yeah. for other things. Uh, but we have brothers and partners, Tanette Natisserie and Seta Natisserie. Did I spell or pronounce both correctly? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> and they are co-owners of Tidy Restaurant here in Marion, Illinois. And Tanette is also executive producer of The Rescue, and you were also involved with 13 Lives as they had purchased the rights for your character in, um, well, well, we'll talk about that here pretty soon, about what both of those were about. Yeah, major motion picture and National yes. Geographic documentary. So we'll get into that, but let's start with business. Yep. So tell us about your backgrounds a little bit, maybe pre-Tidy and pre-celebrity. Tell us where you come from and yeah, tell us the stories. All right. So um, we actually were born in Thailand um, and then we moved to the U.S. um, I think in what years? Uh, Say 2004. Yeah, 2004. We moved to San Antonio, Texas for a few years. Um, We have a big community there. so after that, we, um, I think he went to uh, middle school, I went to high school there, and then um, after a few years, we moved up to um, Carmendale um, to finish our high school and then, you know, go to college, and SIU. Um, and Was then, there somebody in Carbondale that, why you came here? Yes, one of our good friends, actually. Okay. Um, at the time, he ran Titus oh, okay. in Carbondale. Yeah. Um, so we just kind of came up and helped him out, you know, mm-hmm. as a good friend. We are really close together. Um, and then um, after school, at, while I'm attending college, I met my wife, Yada. Mm-hmm. Um, she's taking her master's degree there at the time. And, you know, we fell in love. Um, after, you know, we graduated, um, we decided to open a restaurant together in Marin. Mm-hmm. Um, because Yada actually has background in food nutritionist. Um, so she's really, really well known about the ingredients and she's also like, you know, really love how the, how the food tastes and things like that. So we did open a restaurant called Tidy in Maryland, right in front of Walmart. Yeah. Um, we didn't think it was going to be success like today. It was just kind of, you know, one of those ideas from college kid and be like, yeah, let's put our skill at test. You know, Test it out. Yeah. Um, then, um, right when we opened the restaurant, you know, um, after a few years, my brother also went to college, and um, you know, we took him in and helped us out. Um, and then now he's running the place. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So, what year was that when you came? Um, it was 2010, I believe. And okay. then I graduated high school in 11. And I went to John A for two years, okay. and then to, to SIU, 
Then right after that, uh, I started taking over Thai D. 2015, 16 around mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and yeah. it's like a soft, uh, like a soft transition. Okay. Where like you know, Tanet and Yada, their job was, it's a little bit different whenever you're starting a business than mm-hmm. to actually running the business. Right. Like it's a, it has a different dynamic of issues and problems. Yeah. You know, when yeah. you're starting out, you have uh, usually a limited resource like money and funding and stuff like that. Yeah. It takes a little bit of while to get traction, especially as a you know, establish your customer base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did well, you have any background in running a business uh, or actually, no, restaurant my, business? My degree is actually in computer forensic. There you go. <laughs> it's actually the opposite end of that. Oh opposite. wow! Yeah. Yeah. And I'm architects. And you're architect. Yeah. yeah. So, oh my gosh. Uh, only Yada has had degree in food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you, Yada, for it. <laughs> She's saving us all. She must be able to inspire other people, right? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And so, uh, parents with entrepreneurship background? Um, no, I mean, our parents, you know, we grew up in a really uh, small town in Thailand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, our grandmother actually um, opened a restaurant okay. back when we were kids, you know. Yeah. So we kind of get used to those um, traditional cookings yeah. from yeah. our parents, from our ancestors. Um, so we try to implement that into Tidy where it become a com. Uh, complimentary uh, contemporary Thai of cuisines. Yeah. yeah. And it's a very, we should say it's a very popular restaurant, Thai D in Marion, Illinois. In fact, we've gotten to know you guys through just simply through the restaurant and good service and good food that you yeah. guys provide. Hospitality, especially. Yep. Yada, have, yada again, yeah. I have typically, typical picky children, uh, middle school and junior high eaters, and it is one of our favorite restaurants that everybody has a favorite dish and we all eat and are all happy. <laughs> yeah, that's, good. Well, that's great. So, good to hear. Yeah. yeah. And so how, how is business? And you guys, you know, restaurant business has been really tough for people the last, during COVID time. So yeah. how, how, what challenges have you had and how did you overcome those challenges? I think, uh, you know, we could try to divide those into two characters, uh, two categories. Uh, the first is the financial size of it, and then the, um, the the worker size of it. I think I'm gonna probably answer the first one, and my brother gonna take over the second one. Um, so in terms of financial wise, you know, it's really really difficult, as you guys know. A lot of um, yeah. restaurant. I think if you look at the the database from COVID, I think it's more than over 50 percent of the local restaurant that did not make it in a big city. Um, part of it due to um, the revenue cut from the die-in. Um, because when that happened, you know, they're gonna have to cut employees and things. But at the time, we did not cut our employees. You know, we, we keep them on a full schedule, um, which means they're gonna be able to support their family with the income that they got, the salary that they have. Um, but the restaurant take a big hit um, from that. Mm-hmm. You know, we try to save mm-hmm. our employee, but then we, also lose a huge profit that we're supposed to make because of the loss of revenue from the die-in. Um, to overcome that, we develop a, um, um, a to-go or mm-hmm. um, curbside dining service where um, customers could just pull up and we bring the food to them in the car. Um, later on, that become a really, really good tactics mm-hmm. and is bring more, actually bring more revenue in 
mm-hmm. uh, even before the COVID. So this take a lot of work and take um, a lot, a lot of um, detail um, work for our employees. So they don't want to work really hard, and um, we're so glad that we make it. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll say I'll break it down from an operational standpoint in two sections. It would be like pre-COVID and post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure that COVID-19 has a pretty massive impact on just our, not just our economy, but like just in servicing, like in uh, uh, industry in general. Mm-hmm. And I'll say pre-COVID is, I'll say that there's many different factors. Like he said, you know, there's a financial side. And whenever the beginning of COVID, um, we decided to take losses on the restaurant part. That way we can actually retain our staff. Because, uh, and I actually brought up the point in the, man- the man- uh, management meeting too, where we could let go like other business and smaller business like that do of their workers. But the problem being is that whenever everything opened back up and it will open back up eventually, mm-hmm. and they're gonna have a hard time acquiring new people, trading new people, and like, you know, catching up to speed and also uh, optimizing their operation. Mm-hmm. And uh, all, all those things takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes at least six months to train a new crew and then maybe another six months to actually get them to a, a skill level where they actually can operate the restaurant uh, optimally. Mm-hmm. And that's something that people don't really think about whenever a push comes to shove. And usually they tend to kind of just, you know, cut losses and just, you know, retain the profit somewhat. But in Tidy, we actually shows the opposite, where like we actually eat a lot of the losses up from like the, the, the profit standpoint, because you know, uh, dining, uh, revenue drop, and everything's drop. And then there's uh, the rise of Grubhub and DoorDash. Essentially, uh, delivery service spike, I think, at the peak of COVID. And I don't think it ever really go down Really, um, it does decline a bit, but like like the Grubhub orders and you know DoorDash and stuff is still pretty high compared to like pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. I think it's like the shift in the demand of the customer base, where mm-hmm. like people are a lot more they're, they're a little bit spoiled, you know, they're doing COVID uh, due to like you know there's so many the delivery service and stuff, and I think. Uh, the shift in in that mindset was, is kind of it affecting the post-COVID uh, economy as well, especially when it comes to like a restaurant sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Zeta, can you explain how DoorDash and Grubhub and all those apps that have uh, become very popular, mm-hmm. how does that affect a restaurant? Is um, do they charge a restaurant or like we see it on the customer side, you know, that it's, oh, it's just so easy to order on here and everything. Does that, does that go into your bottom line in some way or what, what does that look like? I think it actually, that's actually a good question. Um, I think it actually affects most restaurants in a positive manner okay. than the negative one. Good. Because usually, uh, especially small businesses like like most restaurants, like uh, ex- excluding like branches, like uh, Red Lobster and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, small businesses don't usually have the, uh, the resources to actually have a delivery method. Right. You know, like not most restaurants don't have a delivery driver like, you know, like all day, every day, like to actually making that a revenue stream. Usually you have dining, you have to go, but that's that's about it. 
and Grubhub and DoorDash, they open a third revenue stream. Essentially, is a d- delivery, yeah. and they are taking care of like the mean itself. Like you know, they have their own drivers, service, you know, customer support and stuff like that. To or, or an R and essentially just add another additional uh, revenue stream that doesn't really require us to how do you say it, support that infrastructure. You yeah. know, we don't have to worry about like the driver, the car, the the, the small thing, the app and stuff that actually make it work. Mm-hmm. And I think for small bus- businesses, it's actually a good thing. And yes, they do take commission, but uh, it's a very small compared to like, let's say creating your own infrastructure to actually support that system. Yeah, um, um, yeah on that, I think um, they do charge at different rates um, yeah. per se, different restaurant, depending okay. on the popularity of them. Um, if you are, you know, a small business owner in a bigger city like Chicago, where we had a lot of friends owning a restaurant there, mm-hmm. um, they're gonna say they charge too much mm-hmm. um, because I think they charge more than th- over 30%, um, mm-hmm. which means the restaurant will have to cut loss somehow. Um, but in our case, um, they actually demanded us to be on the platform, so they charge a really small percentage fee. Yes, um, which is really good for us. Um, so, you know, like I said, it totally depends on uh, different restaurant, different category, and the deal and the, the conditions that come with with those services. Yeah. Okay, it's interesting. Have you found a positive response for the restaurant because you're in Marion, Illinois? Because it's small town, Midwestern. Uh, I think you were introducing Thai food to most of the community. Yeah, uh, it's quite a struggle, really, in the beginning. Uh, we have a lot of customers came in on our first couple months and asking, "Is it what's the difference between Thai dish and Chinese?" Right. So they thought that we are a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, Yada, we're gonna. I mean, Yada at the time, you know, she had to explain it step by step. What what's the differences? You know, how the ingredient are different, how the taste are different, um, how the process of cooking are different um, to the to the customer. And um, it, it takes a long time, really, yeah. to, to build up those understanding to where we are at this point. Sure. Because we are the first um, Thai restaurant in Marion. Yeah. And what other support have you received from being in Marion or a small town? Um, it's the customer, really. You know, people yeah. around here are just really nice. Um, and we're really grateful for that. And our customer is really well supported us. They're, they're not picky, you know, <laughs> they are understands um, how things go, especially during COVID, when we first opened dying die area back up. We're running short staff some of the days, you know, mm-hmm. and, and people intend to be um, quite understandable in situations and yeah. kind of, you know, work with us. Yeah. So you kind of used a little bit of your engineering background a little bit during COVID too, didn't you? Um, create some sort of a... Um, I'm not sure what it is. Can you explain to me what <laughs> what what I saw online that you had helped with uh, with opening your restaurant back up? Yeah, sure. Um, we we did a couple um, projects at the time, you know, because of COVID, and we just tried to overcome the obstacle mm-hmm. um, and use our knowledge at best. We built a UVC um, um, stirrings. I think she probably gonna answer that better than me. We worked together, okay. by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he built a, uh, it's a UV base, essentially it's a sanitizing stance. Mm-hmm. Um, we, because we know there's a lot of, uh, at the very beginning of COVID, um, 
our country, but I think just our economy in general, just very ill-equipped to deal with, how do you say it? Um, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Pandemic, yes. Yeah, yeah pandemic uh, issue. And then uh, he built this, uh, it's a contraption and based using a UVC technology. Essentially, it's like, uh, it's a UV RAM, but much, much more powerful. And it runs with much higher uh, power base. Essentially, it can project much higher uh, higher power band so we usually use that at uh, the closing of our restaurant so whenever uh, our staff actually clean up the restaurant and uh, if uh, pretty much when everyone is out we can usually use the use the device that tonight really created and then we sanitize the kitchen the font the bar stands just making sure that like you know we do wipe down everything with chemical base but we also have a second layer of defenses as well. Yeah. And uh, that's what he created too. That's yeah, excellent. it's kind of about sterilizing the airs yes. uh, at the same time. Um, and then when we open dining area back up, the system can't really use it anymore because you know people cannot be exposed to the UV light yes. oh, at okay. that particular wavelength. Mm -hmm. So we developed another little tiny one where it would um, uh, take the input of the airs and then sterilize it and then go out. And those can operate it um, 24 hours right um, while we open a restaurant right yeah wow. now your families live in Marion Illinois but you frequently travel back to Thailand yes and something very historical happened in 2018 yeah. when you were back you're back home and we should say you're a, a groundwater engineer is that correct um, well, a lot of people call me that, but I'm, I'm based on architects. Architectural. Um, just, uh, my experiences in the past few years um, in Thailand, working you know, with the different type of organization that related to waterworks, I was able to gain a lot of knowledge in, in water engineers, and um, I ended up to be a team leader. Um, so a lot of people know me by just water engineers. Okay. But I'm actually self-taught. Okay. Tell us about the uh, historic event, because we may have some people that may still not know what happened in 2018 in Thailand. Oh, the, the cable rescue thing? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I think I'm pretty sure a lot of audiences have <laughs> yeah. somehow come across the story, you know, yeah. in the past few years. Um, well, the soccer team in Thailand was trapped inside the cave, mm -hmm. and um, at the time, the water become one of the most um, main obstacles, I would say. Um, that prevented the divers to search for the boys and to get them out. So um, the military, the Thai military, requested my help along with our team in Thailand to go over there to actually like try to find a different solution. And um, my job was diverted the waters, pump out ground waters, and also drain the cave. Um, so the diver could continue the search for the boys and then get them out. Yeah. And yeah. so this story's been portrayed recently two different ways. One's a National Geographic documentary called Rescue, mm -hmm. and you're executive producer. Tell us about that. Um, so it started off with um, the um, Shai and Jimmy, both of them are the directors of this documentary from NatGeo. Um, they reached out to me and um, they wanted to do the interview, the second time interview. Um, and it, Somehow, and now with you know, we all go to Thailand together. We went to Thailand together with the directors. Um, through that, um, I was able to use my connections and my relationship with the rescue worker 
to to help them make this documentary. So um, I think at the end, the Net Zero decided to um, you know appreciate it by giving me the title of um, executive producer. And um, during the last three months in New York, I was able to help them put the story together, um, which you know I would. Uh, I've been away for three months, and my brothers and Yada are taking care of the restaurant at the time um, to to make sure the documentary come out, you know, um, accurately, uh, historically, and also, um, you know, tell the story from our side. Yeah, and the doc- documentary came out last year. Was twenty twenty one? Is that correct? Um, or the year before? Twenty twenty one. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how would we find it if we wanted to watch? Um, it's on Disney Plus. Yep. Yeah. Um, is I think it's on. Is it was in the theater for um, a month and then it released in Disney Plus, with the thing was nine different languages. Also on uh, Amazon Prime as well. You guys have it too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. the uh, yeah. Thirteen Life. Yeah. 13 lives. Let's talk about Thirteen Lives. Yeah. So, and spoiler alert: uh-huh. all thirteen lives were able to be saved as far as the soccer team goes. Um, and so this is, it is a like set on the edge of your pants, even though you know what happens at the end, uh, because we all just recently watched it on the news almost, you know, day by day, what was going on. Um, but it is a fantastic movie that still, even if you know the outcome, you sit on the edge of your seat the entire time. And, um, so I was really excited about watching this. I have not yet watched the Thirteen Lives, um, but tell us about that and how um, what your role is in that one. So Thirteen Lives is um, is, a, is a movie based on a true event, um, really similar uh, screenplays and script with the Rescue documentary, which is the kind of um, telling and the untold story of the diver mm-hmm. um, that went inside the cave and take the boys out. Um, and then they also tell the story of uh, different angles, you know, from the volunteers, um, um, the uh, the waterworks and thing. So my role was the water engineer in that film, and they have some of the Thai actors play me. Um, and then the diver, they have like A-list Hollywood actors like Colin Farrell, Rico Madison, the guy that played the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. um, play one of the divers, mm-hmm. which is that is an amazing job on it. Yeah. Um, the whole movie sh- uh, shot in Australia, um, okay. and you know the the CGI, the setting, which is amazing as it gets. Um, first time I watched the movie, I was like, "Wow, this is like bring me back to those memories," you know. Um, and, and Ron Howard did an amazing job on the Ron Howard movie. He's a yes. director, uh, executive producer too, or um, he's the director. So yeah, the director. Yeah, of the movies. Um, and who plays the doctor, uh, the one who is the English diver? I forget. Um, Joe Edgerton. Great actor. Yeah, yeah um, he is. Favorite movie is uh, Exodus uh, with uh, Christian Bale, and he plays Pharaoh in yes. that movie, so I recognized him. Yeah, uh, and then the latest one, that movie that he, he played was, um, I can't remember, but he, was, he did an amazing job on it, trying yeah. to replicate it, the looks of the doctors. And, yeah. 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 So you have been all over the world uh, doing a lot of premieres for the movie, um, and you have a lot of A-list actors and you know Ron Howard that being the director. 
he asked you a question that you had mentioned offline that, uh, and you had to explain to multiple people where exactly Marion is because everybody said, if you hear Marion, Illinois, they're just going to hear Illinois and say Chicago, right? Um, but you also have been asked why Marion, right? Why this tiny town in the middle of what may others perceive as the middle of nowhere? Um, why? So if Ron Howard gets to ask that, I'm going to ask the same thing. Why Marion? Well, I mean, you know, we originally we didn't really think we're going to be in Maryland this long. You know, um, right after we graduated, like I said, we opened a restaurant and and that become our full time job even nowadays. Um, but the longer we live in Maryland, you know, we kind of fell in love with the, the peoples, um, the areas, which is um, we uh, Yada actually grew up in Bangkok, okay. much bigger city. We came from San Antonio. Yeah. A lot of traffic. Anywhere you go, it take an hour. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then here in Maryland, everything is so chill, you know. And mm-hmm. anywhere you want to go, is so quick and so quiet. And that's that's why we. The longer we live here, we kind of love the city, love the people. Um, and that's why we decided to stay here. You know. Yeah. As of today, and um, because of Marion is situated a really good location for businesses too. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, I-57 mm-hmm. going up and down. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity for um, many businesses and new developments um, in terms of, you know, economic growth and things. So that's yeah. why we choose Marion at yeah. SR um, business uh, base. But you can still travel? Yes, absolutely. And you travel frequently? Um, around the world? Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. I wish that we have a airport a little closer. Yeah. 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 Maybe, so, maybe soon. Maybe yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That, could, that could be great, you know. Maybe yeah. we could have some flight from here to like Chicago. Yeah. Um, where we could connect it uh, more, you know, international flight. Yeah. Before we leave the subject of the films, the uh, documentary, uh, The Rescue, it's receiving some recognition. What awards? Um, yes, we, oh, uh, it's a lot of awards. Um, I think it was 24 World Together. Um, we won the Toronto Film Festival wow. last year. Um, and then we also got nom- nominated for the BIFTA Award, which is the British Academy of Film and Television. Um, and then we also um, got in the shortlist for an Oscar last year. Mm-hmm. We did not make it to the nominee, but that was really big achievements. Um, then, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of those major awards that we yeah. got. And then we got nominated for an Emmy the end of this month, which is me and Yada, we travel to the um, the ceremonial in New York right. on the 29th. Um, we got nominated for five categories on the Emmy this year. Okay. Well, I know that you didn't expect to be thrown into the national spotlight when you were helping with the rescue. So thank you for your service in um, being able to do that. Were you already in Thailand when that happened? or? Uh, did you actually go there to help? Um, I was in Thailand this time. Um, we were um, requested to help with the Farmer Association in Myanmar, which is the neighboring country of Thailand. Mm-hmm. And then I spent about two months in Thailand mm-hmm. helping out the local farmer with the waterworks. Mm-hmm. And I think the incident happened one week before I scheduled to come back to the U.S. Okay. Oh, wow. So I was actually packing 
you know, get yeah. ready to come back home. And then that's when the incident happened. And um, because of that incident now, I mean, it's, it's kind of changes many things um, personally and also with the businesses. Um, when when um, it happens, at the time, a lot of people from like, all over the U.S. just flew into Taidi and just to eat there. But I was in Thailand at the time yeah. because they heard the news from um, the media. Right. We had people flew in from um, California, Texas, New York, and then just kind of be like, we saw the story of the order on the news. We just want to come here and eat. Yeah. It was just kind of, you know, one of those stories wow. where it rarely happens. And the major motion picture, 13 Lives, it just came out this summer. So is it still early to tell how it's doing or do you know already? Um, I think it's. I think we could see that some of the reviews online already is actually um, pretty good. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people said it is one of Ron Howard best movie really in a long time, besides Apollo thirteen and Beautiful Mind. Yeah. So that recognition itself, I think, you know, it actually speak for how good the quality of the movie is. Yeah. And then um, the rescues also really touching a lot of um, those emotional feeling of the audiences. Um, every time we have a screening, I always kind of sneak peek into the theaters to see how the audience is doing, and they're just like some of them just be in tears wow. while watching the documentary. So yeah. that um, would be me. <laughs> <laughs> I did cry. That's excellent. And the most important thing is that it's kind of put Marians to the maps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people asking about Marians. It's Where good. is Marian? You know, um, you you could um, Google up online now and Google the water guys from. 13 lives and uh-huh. there's article that say this guy live in Marion, Illinois so running super, a restaurant. That's super. <laughs> that's they awesome. have a have this call um, the the fan page or whatever that um, the movies um, people who, who really like the movies follow mm-hmm. they want to know more about the story of the real heroes and the real characters. Yeah. So they kind of do a homework on this each of the character and post this up online and people could read about it. Um, funny enough, we have some customers stop by the restaurant because they follow those articles yeah. and follow Marion's. Yeah. That's and really exciting. That's great. Yeah. So back to the restaurant, Thai D, what's next? Um, I think that's a, it's a hard question to, to answer just because like our you know, economy is just a little bit more volatile. It's, uh, you don't know where the future is going to hold for you. But uh, his work definitely brought a lot of attention internationally and locally to Thai D yeah. um, and to two other small town actually. And I think one thing that uh, I'll add to his, uh, his point whenever we, why we open here in Marion mm-hmm. is that it's such a strategic location because like, it's next to the interstate. It's actually a business district. So you have ISN, you have like, you know, most of the bigger public uh, plant mm-hmm. uh, company, uh, corporation around here. And a lot of people around here actually don't live in Marion. They actually live around the region, right. and it's a, it's like a central place of business. And I think it's a it's a good prime location for uh, as a startup. Yeah. And also uh, compared to like San uh, San Antonio, where where we're from, I think that smaller town bring in a different crowd and also a different focus. Yeah. Where I think here. Our business uh, focus more on the community base. You right. know how, how neat the community is. Like we can usually tell, like we can actually recognize most of the our customer that comes in. We right. have like the usual 
uh, in big city, there's nothing like that where like the customer base is so large. Right. It's, uh, it's almost impossible to be on a personal basis to everybody. Yeah. But here it's different. You know, here we actually have a very uh, grateful and also a- appreciated uh, customer pool. Where like mm-hmm. we know everyone here, um, yeah. and if there's complaint, if there's issue with the food, with the service, and they would actually tell us, you know, would actually politely tell us, like email us. They're very polite, very uh, yeah. really just. I'm so thankful for the customer. Uh, really, or like our standard family here, and it's like right. a small community, yeah. and that's something that you can really do and replicate in a bigger city. Yeah, you know, like New York, uh, San Antonio, uh, LA, or whatever. It's something that they just customer come in and go out, and same thing with uh, with employee as well. I was going to say you yeah. found good employees, yeah, and you've kept them. You mentioned during COVID that you didn't put them uh, on part time or you know, mm-hmm. um, but you kept them, and so and some of those are family, right? Um, no, no, yeah, we just just th- three of us. Oh, now. just the yes. three of you. Okay, yeah. excellent. I mean, it's, it is interesting because I see. Um, so I don't think you get that everywhere and especially every restaurant because it is such a um you know there's such a movement of wait staff that goes through you know in and out of different um places and i see the same faces serving tables i see yada uh helping as well every time that i go in i usually get one or two of the same waitress that i've had for several years and i think that um really exemplifies your leadership and your support and how much you support your um your workers that are there because otherwise they would find somewhere else to go right like yeah i mean to be honest you know like we are here today uh, so successful in terms of the business by because of our employees Mm -hmm. so we try our best to treat them the best we can Uh, without them you know none of this uh, success would never happen yeah. So we really appreciate that, you know, all the past um, employees, the current employees and that we have. Yeah. yeah. We're really grateful for them. Well, we want to thank you for being here in Marion, Illinois and building a successful business. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the key thing also is not just the, uh, the, the fact that we, we talked about earlier, but also the, um, the authorities of the people, I mean, the the mayors, you know, um, the restrictions in Marion intend to be more friendly toward the business, yeah. the new businesses yeah. too. Um, so that's become part of the factor where that's why we, we really love Marion too. Was there anything else that you guys want to share with us today? Um, mm, you know, it's funny because uh, it's the whole 13 Live, the soccer team thing is almost like it's almost faded because like he was already in Thailand doing charity work. That's just kind of off off the radar, you know. He's just doing his own thing, like just because uh, the drought in Thailand are pretty bad, just in that region in general. And he just had out there helping villages, you know, because they were, you know, ran out of water and stuff like that. And he's already doing all that stuff around the area. Yeah. And then right before he came back, and this this that stuff just happened. And people like, hey, there's that guy. Just you know, he's been around right. town. Like he's been around the area just like helping all the village and stuff out and sure enough they just call him in and he show up and it's it's amazing actually like the uh like just the timing of it you know yeah um i mean i'm sure you, uh, you can tell you more about that 
Yeah, uh, it's just one of those things that you never know where life's going to take you. Yeah. Um, life is just full of surprises, you know. Um, yeah. And I mean, to be honest, like all those works, um, it's possible because of RT Matidi that keep the place running while I was gone. Yeah. So, so with this guy and them, you know, that that actually uh, worked so hard, and also Yada, my wife. Yeah. Um, she's she's she ran everything, you know. Um, yeah. It's a lot of work to run a restaurant. Um, and I'm sure it's a lot of businesses too, right? Yeah. Same thing. Um, and and I'm really grateful for the support from my family too. Yeah. But you know, the fame hasn't changed you. Because I follow you on Facebook, so I actually got to see the photos of you on the red carpet in you know Hollywood at the premiere of the movie. So you with pictures with Ron Howard and Colin Farrell. But then one of those days, I was in the restaurant, and it was the you had just flown back, like the day before, and Yada came up to the table and greeted us and recognized me, and we talked, and then you came in and you did the same. So. I don't think fame's changed you that much. I think you're still the. No, I mean I'm still me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny. Now uh, it was one of the customer came in and and they saw Yada and I was like, Yeah, well I saw you on Facebook with a red carpet. You look so nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she did look beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, What about me now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, we we are really grateful for our support from our customer yeah. and you know, uh, support from our cities um, that make things so easy and friendly for our businesses too. Yeah. And again, how would people find you uh, or find the restaurant? What is the address, the physical address? You could jump into GPS or type in Tidy Marion, Illinois. Yeah, we look, uh, it's Tidy. Uh, we located in Marion. Um, it's right, it's a strip mall right across from Walmart. It's 2801 Acidic uh, Circle Boulevard. Yeah. It's uh, Sweet Six. Yeah. Um, we open uh, pretty much every day from 10 to uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, we take a little break from uh, 2.30 to 4 o'clock, but we're, we're there pretty much every day, Monday to uh, Sunday. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be happy to see you guys, to serve you guys. It'll be great. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's great to see uh, the amount of support, especially doing the, you know, the, the Cape Rescue thing. Mm-hmm. And people come from all walks of life, you know, uh, like from afar too and close yeah. to like they're like hey you know seen your brother on TV and stuff yeah and it's crazy because like I keep in touch with him like you know privately doing the whole thing and it's kind of like hey how's the uh, rescue going and it's kind of strange like hearing what's actually going on the ground and like seeing on TV and it's kind of mm-hmm. like oh hey look you know like but it is it's astounding like the amount of support we, we receive doing you know, like the whole the whole deal, and also the COVID and post COVID. Yeah. And that's something that's that's kind of the support base that you cannot cultivate in a bigger city. And mm-hmm. that's something that cannot be understated. It's like the amount of uh, love and support that your community is showing you, and then like we trying our best to, you know, also serve it back. You know, yeah. as the best we can be. Like uh, try to give the best product and service. Um, really, everyone here is trying to, you know. Uh, makes you know ends meet and things go by and what and whatnot, and I feel like as a small community, especially like a Midwest in you know, a small town, um, we're all we got. Uh, I, I feel like uh, supporting each other and just you know doing the best we can. I think that is our duty actually for the community as well. But yeah. that's excellent. It's a good word to end on. Yeah, very well said. Yeah. Well, Seta and Tanette, thank you so much for coming here. Um, 
Yeah. This our, has been exciting. I've been anticipating awesome. this for a very long time. Yeah. So. <laughs> so our guests today have been the, the History Brothers from Tidy Restaurant in Marion, Illinois. Thank you both for being here. And we want to thank our sponsors for sponsoring Small Town Big Business, and that includes Arcadia Wealth Group, Fowler Heating and Cooling, Black Diamond Harley-Davidson and RV, the Watermark Auto Group Foundation, Swinford Media Group, and our producers at Union Street Arts. Well, don't forget to subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can listen and watch episodes on YouTube channel. All you have to do is type in small town, big business, and we'll pop right up. Remember, subscribing is free and you'll receive notifications of when we have new episodes released every two weeks. Thanks again for listening. I'm Allison Hassler. And I'm Russ Williams.